Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Well, hello, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks. I'm proud to be your host. I'm a retail transformation specialist working as a consultant and advisor to help navigate disruption and drive change programs forward. Thanks for tuning in today. This one is episode 273, number 273. The retail industry has always been set up for people by people. People have always been inherently linked in very closely into shopping. And I'm sure you've heard the phrase, people buy from people. Definitely true in our wonderful industry. And arguably, people and human interactions form the most memorable aspects of retail. If you think about the times where you've had a great experience when you're shopping as a consumer, chances are it's because of the people involved. Equally, think of the times you've had an awful experience when shopping as a consumer. Chances are, again, it's driven by the interactions with different people. And given our multi-channel world that we live in now, the role of people is perhaps the strongest in physical stores, which is what you'd expect. But let's be honest, that's across the board. Even if you're engaging with a human being at the other end of the phone line, or even a chat box. And whilst customer experience and customer service is important, of course, that's not the only role that people play. People play a vital role in turning the giant wheel that is retail, from managing stock and replenishment, through to cleaning, and of course, plenty of other tasks. So people are important to retail. It goes without saying. But people, or labour, also present a major cost line for many retail businesses, again, particularly where there are physical stores involved. And this particular cost line, labour or people, is relatively quick and easy to be able to adjust. You know, if you compare it to other ways of saving costs, whether that be shutting unprofitable stores outsourcing major parts of the operating model or even insourcing parts that have been previously outsourced, developing and implementing new technologies. All of these are genuine ways of saving cost, but they tend to be slower and more complicated relative to that people lever, that labour cost line. And so, like it or not, people-based cost savings represent an opportunity for companies. and. In a tough market like we find ourselves in right now, when companies are facing rapid and urgent calls to reduce costs, it's fairly natural to turn towards this opportunity, in air quotes there. But given the importance of people, how can retailers, and in particular physical store retailers, maintain the human touch whilst achieving necessary cost savings? So that's what we're going to dive into today. The show notes are over at obandco.uk slash 273. That's 
obandco.uk slash 273, where you'll find some of the key takeaways from today's episode, as well as the chance to sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing. This is my weekly email newsletter to help keep you up to speed with the changes and evolutions in the retail industry. With new innovations and ideas, headlines from around the world, and transformation tips and tactics, you can be confident that you'll have your finger firmly on the pulse of the ever-evolving world of retail. Sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing at obandco.uk slash 273. So let's dive into this one. And we're going to start by considering the evolving role of store colleagues and associates. Now, I'm sure we can all appreciate the traditional role that people have played in shops. They've been the backbone of the retail operation and the face of the experience. From cashiers at checkout through to delivering the replenishment activities and stock control and management processes, giving customer service and having conversations whilst customers are shopping, sharing some of the product or category expertise, making recommendations, helping check stock, find their way around stores, doing cleaning tasks, price updates, changing signage, and of course, a healthy dose of people management in there as well. Lots of those traditional roles of people in shops. But as we think about the evolving world of retail, those roles are changing as well. People now also need to consider order picking and dispatch for more omnichannel orders, or perhaps processing click and collect or BOPIS orders that have come in from an e-commerce fulfillment center. There may be the need for doing more social media or perhaps creating content. And there's absolutely a much heavier reliance now on multitasking, where an individual person is juggling multiple tasks throughout the day. No longer is a person assigned to be, let's say, a checkout cashier, and that's all they do. They may be doing that at one particular peak period during the day and then move to some replenishment and then move back to checkout, then do something else, etc., etc. You know how it works. So people are switching tasks and types of role over the whole working day. And really what we've seen here to enable this multitasking element is a more complex omni-channel operating model alongside lots of smaller productivity savings across roles over time so that you need fewer people to do the same number or more jobs or tasks, i.e. a labour saving. Now, hopefully those tasks and jobs are easier and faster, although I'm sure we can appreciate that that might not always be the case. The other big consideration that has changed the role of store staff, arguably, is the rise in retail violence and crime. And whilst there are some process steps and activities to go into this, actually the big impact is, of course, the risk or worry that it does happen and the impact if it does happen. And right now, we're of course seeing lots of trending where that aggression, that violence is coming out more and more. And whilst it's not a role of store colleagues, it is an important part of their day, right? Unfortunately. So that's where we're up to right now. And actually, what we've also seen is, of course, technology has provided many opportunities for streamlining store processes, 
and those labour cost savings that we've talked about. There are lots of instances where, like I say, new technology is significantly minimising the total human effort needed. Self-checkouts is a great example, or checkout-free stores, where that need for a cashier has been greatly reduced or eliminated altogether. Stock movement robots is another example. More commonly seen in warehouses and fulfillment centres, they again take out a significant chunk of travel time, which we'll come back to later on, travel time and maybe even picking activities and other stock movement activities to really eliminate the need for that human effort. If we look to customer support centres or contact centres, technologies like chatbots or automated menus help to reduce the total human effort needed. So technology has provided lots of opportunities to significantly minimise human efforts, but we must at this very same time discover the balance between just going total high tech and the need for that human service that, as we touched on right at the start, is still so essential for giving a great experience. You know, and if we look at checkouts, which has been a hot topic for the last year or so, you know, we've had Amazon develop this full checkout free option with their Just Walk Out technology. But Amazon have also discovered that that completely touch free shopping experience is too much for some customers. And there are some customers that, for a whole number of reasons around data, privacy, and service, have decided that they don't want a checkout free option. They want to engage with a person at a checkout. UK supermarket booths have equally found that self-checkouts were too much for their customers. And they've recently reverted to remove nearly all of their self-checkout banks across their store estate. But we must also recognise that in the instance of checkouts, each customer is different, each retailer is different, and there's no one-size-fits-all. There is no perfect checkout mix, perfect checkout option. But what we can do is to learn from and be inspired by other retailers and examples. And we can listen to people, customers and colleagues. Because whilst there is a capability to go high tech, there might be a desire to remain with a level of personal service, maintaining that human touch point. But given that, it's important to consider what is our ideal service model, especially given the cost-saving challenges that we may face right now. Ask yourself, what does excellent customer service look like for your company in the modern retail and shopping landscape? There's going to be so many different considerations here. You know, how complex are your products? Is it the sort of product that a customer needs one-on-one -on -one advice for? Is the sales journey complex so that you're going to need to have perhaps multiple visits where you customize and tailor a particular choice? Are you in the luxury market and you're going to want to give that extra level of care? For example, at checkout, where you're you know, perhaps wrapping up a product, for example. When we're thinking about excellent customer service, how important is it to build a relationship with a customer? Again, given those considerations we've talked about around complex sales or around luxury. And how does all of this align with your brand's identity and customer expectations? You know, you don't want to be with marketing campaigns saying essentially how you offer great customer service and you've got lots of people in store and then your 
operating labour savings that are trimming down and you're deploying new technologies that say actually you can have a completely touch-free experience. That doesn't gel, right? But whilst thinking about what this ideal service level looks like for yourself, consider also what is the full value that is created by your stores? You know, the value created is not just in the sales and the revenues that come through your checkouts. You know, what value is created through brand awareness of just having your store on the high street or in a shopping mall? What value is created through brand reputation or customer relationships? And correspondingly, what is the output, the direct output from the people in these stores? Again, it's not just about the sales, right? Are they taking on customer service tasks, which typically would end up with the customer service center? Are they resolving more complex challenges for customers? Are your store colleagues helping your online customers to consider and browse and decide what they're going to buy before they go home and order or perhaps order on their phone? Are store colleagues creating content or even influencing customers online who might be nowhere near the store? So you could never really measure or assess the true impact of the four walls and the people within those four walls, right? So given this, and given the cost challenges that you may face, there may still be the need to make cost savings. So how are you going to streamline your processes and your operations in a way that keeps that human touch where it's important, but makes productivity or cost savings where it makes sense? Well, firstly, let's just touch on three different ways that you could go about this. You could think about eliminating work where you are stopping whole processes or significantly reducing the frequency. So it's a, a daily task that you're now going to do once a week, let's say. You could think about simplifying, where you are reducing the complexity of the work and reducing the opportunity for errors and rework. Or you could think about increasing productivity. So you're speeding up the processes or individual process steps, either to get more done in the same time period or to get the same done in a smaller amount of time. So you've got these three elements to help you deliver a cost saving. You could be eliminating, which is a nice simple stop. You could be simplifying, which reduces the complexity and the errors. Or you could be improving productivity to essentially accelerate the work. So there are loads of different examples that we could talk about. Let's think about some of these. Delivery frequency. If you're expecting deliveries into your store four times a week, could you reduce that to three times a week where there are bigger orders coming into store, but there's less overall effort required across the week because you're not doing it so frequently? Could you look at pre-sorting deliveries so there is less backroom organizing to happen before going onto the shop floor? Could you look at moving more processes up the supply chain so that they occur nearer to the source? especially if it's about preparing products so they can be more rapidly executed. And maybe there are options to, for example, do automation of security tags at a warehouse rather than at, you know, 100 different stores. You know, it makes more sense to have automation options in that central location. Pay close attention to any paperwork that exists within your operations. Yes, it's 2024 and paperwork still exists. <laughs> Paperless office never quite arrived, did it? But again, paperwork is a great telltale sign of where there is an opportunity 
to either eliminate or simplify or improve productivity. Look at your travel time and how you could eliminate surprisingly large quantities of time, effort, and therefore cost. Look at your different customer missions. For example, are your customers coming in for replenishment activities where they know exactly what product it is that they want to buy? And it is a question of find it in the store, pick it up, pay for it, leave, end. Because those are fairly functional shopping trips. How could you streamline these? Perhaps you could automate it. Perhaps you could blend in e-commerce in there. Could you change locations in stores to help those customers? But again, also consider is there opportunity for upsells or cross-sells? Is that important or not? Again, it depends on your specific use case. Look at all of the errors that you are creating within your operation. Great example is around stock control and stock record accuracy. How many times do you need to go back and count the stock? because there is an error. All of these are great opportunities to streamline processes. And again, there is no hard and fast rule of this is the best way, right? There are common occurrences and common themes, but really it depends on your precise operating model that you have in store right now. And even a question as to whether you have over, let's say, a store estate of 100 stores, do you have one operating model or do you have 100 or maybe more, operating models because you don't have those consistent ways of working. We touched on technology earlier on. And really by technology, I think what we're talking about is digitally enabled tools on the most part. And these digitally enabled tools can absolutely redefine retail. You know, think of the impact of, say, ERPs and automated ordering. And there still remain great opportunities to bring more digital tools and intelligence, especially with the advent of AI, etc., into the retail operating model. Let's take an example. Let's look at the often painful task of scheduling colleagues across the store, a management task or a team leader task. Like I say, it is painful. It is complex. There are loads of different considerations, loads of different data points around who the team members are, what days they are working, holidays, skill sets, you know, who's first aider qualified, etc, etc, loads of different considerations. And given all of this complexity, you also blend in, if it's being done by a person, you blend in known bias, where, for example, a store manager, intentionally or not, it happens, will schedule in, for example, their, air quotes again, best people to the specific times based on their own views not necessarily the facts and truth. And that may or may not be the right answer, but it happens, right? But nowadays, there are digital tools to streamline rotor scheduling. And if you go more advanced, there are AI tools to, again, automate rotor scheduling to a level where it works within your culture, right? You don't necessarily want to go full automation, but you could go 90% automation, let's say, and then supplement that with more self-service tools for colleagues. And really, it's about finding a good happy point in between that unlocks some of the labor cost savings from the task, but also from the impact of the task. So you are scheduling the right people at the right time in this example. And again, as you're thinking about digital tools and their opportunity to save cost, consider those three elements we spoke about earlier around eliminating, around simplifying, or around improving productivity. And as 
digital tools continue to evolve and continue to expand in their scope and capability, including aspects like AI and robotics, etc., what's going to be left within the stores that cannot be done by digital tools? They're going to be tasks that are so variable. For example, if you imagine in a grocery store, the replenishment tasks, there are so many different packets, sizes, shapes, materials across any given mod, any given aisle, and of course, the whole store. Having a robotic workforce that can deal with that complexity and that variability, is going to be really tough. So replenishing to shelf tasks are going to remain human for some time to come, in my view. The task of building relationships over time, just like we started the episode with. They're going to remain human for some time, even with the advent of human-sounding AIs, etc. There is still value, again, especially in stores of a human customer looking at a human colleague face-to-face. And you need to be thinking about building relationships in a couple of different angles. There's one angle that says it's the person-to-person, but also we need to think about the customer to the brand, where the brand is a function of all of the different people that represent it, right? All of the different colleagues in store and across all of the different channels, right? So whilst digital tools are evolving and there are loads of great opportunities, there are some areas where they won't evolve. And I think that's an important consideration. And it's worthwhile understanding what those areas are. So you can really look at where are my cost bases locked down? Or where is there going to be a real difficulty in finding some of the labor savings in there? And that's not to say that there are no opportunities, but you just got to think a little bit differently in those areas. Just as a watch out when we're thinking about digital tools, you of course need to be careful that your existing processes are of a good quality, right? If your existing processes are poor and are not working, (laughs) don't just transfer them exactly as they are into a digital tool because that wastage, the error rates, etc., will just be multiplied. And actually, as you bring processes in to digital tools rather than being fully human controlled, actually, it gets harder to make changes in my view. Again, humans are agile. They work great with variability. Robots and machines and computer systems, less so. So be careful to make sure that you understand that you've got effective processes before you just digitalize them. And another couple of watchouts, big watchouts for this whole topic is firstly, when you're talking about streamlining processes or introducing new digital tools or any other cost-saving change, consider the impact to your colleagues and associates. In the short term, this can impact positively or negatively the execution of the change. You know, is it going to deploy and be adopted successfully or not? Because if it doesn't get adopted successfully, the whole cost saving is just fictional, let's be honest. And that's when we end up in an instance where you've got the same people doing more jobs, right? Like we were talking about earlier. But in the long term, if you consider the impact to your colleagues and associates, in the long term, that's going to affect, again, positively or negatively, the culture, aspects like employment churn or attractiveness, and many other people-based considerations. And then, of course, the really big watch out when you're looking at cost savings is that you don't hamper down on long-term growth, partially through, like I say, culture changes, But also, if you are putting so many 
cost-based restrictions on the operation, on the customer experience, that can have a really long-lasting effect. So that when the time for growth does appear within the market, you want to be ready for that, okay? And I'm sure you appreciate this. No one wants to make short-term cost savings that screw the business over in the long run, right? No one wants that. But how are you critiquing yourself to ensure that you're not falling into that trap? So there's so many different considerations. And when you apply to the specifics of your business, your operation, your operating model, again, you can get into all of the details, the tangible details. I appreciate we're talking at a fairly high level today. But just, I suppose, in conclusion, you know, we recognize the importance of people in the retail industry. They deliver the great experiences. They deliver our operations. They deliver the performance ultimately. But also we recognize that labor savings and just using that term labor savings rather than people savings is a way of divorcing the term are a cost saving opportunity. And many companies are chasing cost saving opportunities for genuine business sustainability reasons, right? to ensure that the company can deliver a profit and can continue to trade. And that is ultimately the right approach, if that's where it comes down to. But it is crucial, as we say, to implement cost-saving strategies in a retail environment without compromising on the quality of the customer experience or the culture of the teams involved. Otherwise, you're going to really impact that long term. And with all of this, with everything that we have spoken about in today's episode. Really understanding your own operating model is crucial. What's the status quo? What's your current operating model? How consistent is that? How reliable, how repeatable is it? And equally, what's your target or your ideal operating model that you want to be working towards in the short, medium, long term? And how does that total operating model, how does that deliver the customer proposition? How does that deliver the business model. And therefore, how are you going to develop the operating model to deliver the current finances as well as the future? You know, what does the the operating model need to be able to do given the future business strategy as you look to two, three, four, five plus years down the line, not just thinking about the next quarter or the next end of year? So right at the start, we spoke about how retail stores can maintain the human touch whilst achieving necessary labor savings, cost savings in particular. And there is, as always, no silver bullet, but it is about really understanding where the value is created in your organization, the value of the human touch and the value of what customers are looking for and whether that needs human touch, right? There are loads of different digital tools, technologies, etc. available right now. And there are loads of simple process changes, whether you're talking about eliminating or simplifying or improving productivity that you could make, again, right now to deliver some of those cost savings. But what's crucial is that you do it in a sensible way. You consider the people involved in your operating model and you consider where are we going in the long term, not just in the short term. There are so many different aspects that we could jump into here as we get into the detail, but really, I'd love to engage in conversation about your own specific use case, your own specific challenges, and your own specific operating model. So feel free to reach out. My email is oliver.banks at obandco.uk 
or you can find me on LinkedIn. And I'm going to put all of the links on the show notes page today at obandco.uk slash 273. That's obandco.uk slash 273. And don't forget, whilst you're over there, sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing with weekly headlines and tips to keep you up to speed. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Please share this episode with a friend or a colleague, and I'd be totally appreciative if you could spend just a single minute writing a short review on your usual podcast app. We've got a long way to supporting me and helping others across the industry to discover the golden nuggets that we have in the Retail Transformation Show. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. I'll catch you in another episode very, very soon. Bye for now. Thank you.